We are on Jesus Bays on the Bays 2B, and we are in the middle of the topic of Yesh Onsen Begitten or Ain Onsen Begitten. Uh, we are on the third to last line of 2B, and we just mentioned that there are two versions of Rava. The first version of Rava says Ain Onsen Begitten, which means that when there's a situation where there's a condition, that there's a divorce on a condition, as follows, that a husband gives a wife a divorce document and says that I'm divorcing you on the condition that I don't go to such and such a place over the next 12 months. So if he doesn't go to such and such a place over the next 12 months, it's a good divorce. If he does go there, let's say he says Israel. If I don't go to Israel over the next 12 months. If he does go to Israel, so then it's not a good divorce. He did not fulfill the condition. The condition was that he wouldn't go there. He did not fulfill the condition. And so therefore, it is in fact a, it wouldn't be a good divorce if he ends up going to Israel. If he doesn't go to Israel, so then it is a good divorce. So Rabbi says, what happens if it's a situation where it's not in his control? He wants to go to Israel. He wants to know the divorce. He wants to get rid of it by saying that the condition wasn't fulfilled. But he wasn't able to make it to Israel because he was sick, or because the border was closed. So Rava comes along and he says, it doesn't make a difference what your intention is. It doesn't make a difference as long as, in the end of the day, practically, did you not go to Israel? Yes, he did not go to Israel. The condition was fulfilled. The divorce is a divorce. It doesn't make a difference what the reasons are, what your intention is. It has nothing to do with that. Rava says, yeah, we don't care about that. And... Uh, and it is a good divorce. The Gemara until now, which is what we've been discussing, tries to find the source for Rabba. Where did Rabba get this idea from? What was his original source? Was it a Mishnah? Where did he get this from? And the Gemara now, they, they, they didn't have any source, the Gemara now says that this was a, uh, a logical argument that Rabba made on his own. What's the argument based off of? So the truth is that, as we mentioned in the past, the concept of Onsen, the concept of um, you know, being forced into something beyond your control means that it's not really, it's not really, it's not really done. Meaning as follows: the classic example, the example that's found explicitly in the Torah, is the case of of a woman who is raped. Uh, the, a woman who is raped, even if, if it was done willingly. It would be it would be with somebody where there's a there's a prohibition. There comes a Torah along, comes a Torah and says that no, this is the, she's not punished for it. And according to many commentators, not only is she not punished for it, but we view it as such that what she did was not really her. It wasn't her action. We separate the, the action between her. We say this has nothing to do with her. She didn't want to get involved with this. This is a terrible situation, and so it, we don't even view it as though she was involved. There was an action which took place. On her, but it wasn't wasn't her. In that case, we could then extend it to other areas of law from the Torah. And similarly, we can see in the Gemara that in our case as well, on a biblical level, on a Torah level, we will say that it's not a divorce. Meaning, the cases where he says this is I'm divorcing you on the condition that I don't come to Israel over the next twelve months, he wants to go to Israel. Uh, he wants to make sure that the get to the divorce does not take place, but he's not able to. He's sick. He's not able to. So on a biblical level, we would say that the, that uh, there is no divorce. The condition was not fulfilled. There is no divorce because he really wanted to go to Israel. 
That's what we will say on a biblical level. Uh, someone once explained this, what's the logic behind this? It's that when he made the condition, let's say, that uh, I don't come within the next 12 months to Israel, uh, the logic behind it is that uh, it, it, the, there are certain exceptions to that rule. If, if the reason why I don't come is because I wasn't able to, it's beyond my control, and I, w- I wanted to go, but I wasn't able to, so then it's as if the condition was not met. Um, and because of this concept of the Torah, the, the source of the Torah, which says that anything which is not in my control, so then uh, we can't view it, we can't uh, view it as something which I did. Uh, it, it was outside of me. That's on a biblical level. Comes Rava and he says my statement, at least in the first version of the Gemara, my statement, he says that we don't care what you wanted to do, we don't care about the fact that it's beyond your control, that's only on a rabbinic level. All of that is only on a rabbinic level. What's the logic behind it? Why would the rabbi say something against uh, what the Torah has to say? The Torah says that it's not a good divorce because he really wanted to go to Israel, but he just wasn't able to due to outside factors because he was sick, for example. Um, why is it that the rabbis all of a sudden went ahead and said that, no, this, this really is uh, a good divorce? The Gemara will explain for the following scenario. Let's see, let's see, uh, let's read part of the Gemara first. Uh, really Rubble uh, had, had an argument uh, on his own. He came up with his own, his own logical argument. Because of two groups of people, Mishim Smurut and Mishim Prusos. What's the argument? What's the case? He says that if I don't come to Israel within the next 12 months, so then you're divorced. Let's say the woman is in Israel, and the husband does not show up. Okay? So the husband doesn't show up. So, now what is the wife, what is the, what is this, this wife, maybe ex-wife, what does she do? The 12 months pass, he doesn't show up, well, should she assume that he wanted them to get divorced, and that's why he didn't show up, or should she assume that they, uh, on a physical level, they're not divorced because he wanted to come, it was just because he was sick that he wasn't able to come. What should she do now? She's basically stuck. But the truth is, is that she should follow the majority. The majority of the time, He's not forced into it. He's not sick. And so you can follow, we trust them, but we can say you can follow the majority. The majority of the time, uh, he's, he's, not, uh, he's not forced into it, and so therefore she could go ahead and get married. However, there's a concern that there's certain women who really want to make sure that essentially that they're not committing adultery, that they're not marrying somebody else while they're still married to their first husband. So they really want to make sure, and they'll be concerned and assume that the husband didn't show up because he was forced into it, that really they're still married, that really the husband wanted to come to Israel. It's just that he was sick and so he wasn't able to come. And so because they had this concern, they themselves, these women, they're not going to get married. They're going to say, oh, the divorce never took place. He wanted to come to Israel, the divorce never took place. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and then she, she's not going to get married. Even though she really, uh, she, she really should be married because uh, the truth might be that uh, that he wanted them to get divorced. That he didn't show up because he, he wanted he wanted the divorce to take place. But she's going to be she's going to be sitting there thinking that she's that she's still married to her first husband. Alternatively, there's another concern for a group of women who, let's say, this is what Robert says, there's a second group of women who, let's say, these women they in fact they know that the husband wants to come to get to, to make sure the condition isn't fulfilled. They wanted to come to Israel to say that they're not divorced. The husband, they knew that between the, they knew that this was about the husband, but everybody else in Israel doesn't know. Just only them who knows. 
So in such a scenario, uh, they're not going to tell people that what the truth is. They're going to think that this is a good divorce because the husband's going to show up. She's going to know that really the husband wanted to come. And on a biblical level, this is uh, not a good divorce. She's going to keep quiet. She wants to get divorced. There's another group of people who actually, they're going to lie, essentially. And they want to get divorced. And so therefore, everybody else thinks that this is a good divorce because they think that he didn't show up because he didn't want to show up. She knows that he did want to show up, but he didn't. He couldn't make it because he was sick. She's going to keep quiet. She's going to keep quiet so that everybody else will think, you know, really, really, this is a good divorce so that she could go ahead and get married. Because of these two concerns, right, these two concerns, these two groups of people where it's basically a scenario where we don't really know what the husband is doing. So on a rabbinic level, we'll say, you know what, to solve all of these problems, we'll say that there's a blanket rule that every single time if he practically doesn't show up, it's a good divorce, even though on a physical level, it really depends on the reason why. Is it because he didn't want to show up and then it is a good divorce? Or is it because he wanted to show up, but he was sick? So then it's not a good divorce. On a rabbinic level, we'll say, no, we, can, we, we can't just go based on that, because then we're not going to know. At the end of the day, we don't, he's not in front of us. And so therefore, we'll say, a general rule, it's not, a, it, it is a good divorce. If he practically doesn't show up, it's a good divorce. So let's see this inside. Because of the women who, the first category of women who are very careful, the Amish Lola how they get, if we're going to tell them that it's that the Lola how they get, Zidman de lo Anis, the Savad de Anis, and the Agma de Yasva, they're going to end up thinking, you know what, maybe he really wanted to come, and they're, they're not going to get married because they're going to think that they weren't divorced. Even though, really, we should follow the majority of the time where he, he did want them to get divorced. And the second category of women who are essentially going to lie. They know that the husband uh, wanted to come, but just can't make it, but nobody else does. Yeah, I'm supposed to have a deep vision in the underfamilying. And so she's going to go ahead and she's going to tell her mom, you see, he didn't show up. I'm divorced. And she knows in her head, and she knows uh, the conversations with him that he really wanted to come. And they shouldn't be divorced. And she's going to go ahead and lie. It's going to end up happening that she's going to marry somebody else. She's going to have children with that. With, uh, with that second husband, it's not really a husband because she's still married to the first husband because the first husband really wanted to come and really it's not a good divorce on a biblical level. Come the rabbis and they say, out of this concern, but you see them getting married to somebody else and she's still currently married to her first husband because the first husband really wanted to come to, to make sure that the condition is not fulfilled. Um, and then if she marries somebody else, the children then end up becoming mother there. It's, uh, basically a form of adultery because she's still married to her first husband, she gets married to somebody else. The children are, are viewed as mom's there. They're viewed as children from an illicit relationship. <coughs> so because of these two concerns, essentially concerns that come from the fact that ultimately we who are in this other place never see the husband. We never know what's really going on and if it leads to the wrong conclusion, therefore Robert says, you know what, we're going to make a general rule against the biblical rule. We're going to make a rabbinic rule that says that uh, that um, that uh, if they're only divorced, that, that if, if he doesn't show up, then they are divorced. So we're going to make a difference for reasons why. Even if it's against his control, they're still viewed as divorced. The only time that they're not divorced is if he actually shows up. He has to show up. So the Gemara on this asks what seems to be the obvious question. Uh, the, the, uh, the Gemara asks, how could it be that the rabbis say one thing when the Torah says something else. The Torah says it depends on what actually happened. 
Was, did he want to go to Israel? Did he not want to go to Israel? It really depends on what he wanted and what forced him, what stopped him from going. <coughs> Some of the rabbis may say, no. Even you think, even though you, the, the Torah, thinks that they're not divorced because he really wants to show up. And it's just because he was sick that he didn't show up. It doesn't matter on a rabbinic level, we'll say that they are divorced. How could that work? How could that work that the Torah tells us they're still married and the rabbis so long and they but not married anymore? How do the rabbis have the power to override the Torah law? The Torah says one thing. How could the rabbis then go ahead and say something else? So this is the question of the Gemara. How could it be that on the Torah level they're not divorced and the rabbi says, no, go ahead and get married. How could that be? On the Torah level she's not allowed to get married to somebody else. The rabbis are saying, go ahead and get married? How could this be? So this is a very important uh, Gemara. The Gemara says, yes. Sometimes the rabbis have a certain power where they impact the biblical law. How? When it comes to marriage, in general, when it comes to marriage, um, a marriage depends on the approval of the court, of the Jewish court. That every couple that gets married, it's based on the approval of the Jewish court. In fact, there's a, there's even a, they have a tradition of saying, Kedas Moshe Yisrael. When they get married, they say that this is Kedas Moshe Yisrael. This is with the approval of Moshe and, and the Jewish people and, and the Jewish court. Um, and so therefore, every marriage is based on such the rabbis, if they at any point in time, if they say that this is not, this is not something we should be approved of retroactively, seemingly, or see, maybe it's not retroactive, but seemingly retroactively, it's viewed as though they were never married. It's viewed as though they were never married. The rabbis have the authority to say, we do not approve of this. If we do not approve of this marriage, so then um, it's, they're, they're no longer viewed as married, and they never were married. They never were married. And so therefore, in this case as well, on the Torah level, let's say he wanted to come, but he wasn't able to come because he was sick. So on the Torah level, they're still married. The rabbis go along, go along and say, no, they're not married anymore because we don't view this as a marriage. The Gemara says, the Gemara then asks, well, wait a minute, how could the rabbis do this? Uh, how do how, how the rabbis have the ability to do this? If you go back to our original introduction, we said that there are three ways of getting having that first stage of marriage. One of them is through a ring, through money, and another one is through sexual relations. So for money, I can understand. The rabbis have to, have to say that what occurred there was not a marriage. It wasn't a marriage. What was it? It was a gift between a man and a woman. It was a gift of a coin or of a ring. But how could they redefine, what right do they have to redefine a, a sexual act which is the purpose of marriage to say they're just having a, a sexual act outside the context of marriage? How is that possible? So the answer is, and my answer is no, Shadr Abban would be lost to be No, they were able to do this. They were in fact able to do this and they could, they, they could say that that act was not really for the sake of marriage, it was outside the context of marriage. And the rabbis have there's a lot more to discuss on this topic, which is a very, very big topic, uh, about the rabbis having this ability uh, to uproot a marriage. When is this allowed? There's definitely limitations. You cannot do this all the time. Perhaps once the marriage already starts, then you can only do this with a gift, with a divorce document. But there's something about the divorce document that's, that's a little bit off. So that on a biblical level, it's not a divorce. Come to rabbis and they say uh, that we'll sort of view this as a divorce document, then we don't give our approval to this marriage, but it's through the divorce document. Uh, 
But there's a various limitations how exactly this works. There's a lot, lot to discuss. A lot has been written on this topic, but uh, we don't have uh, more time to get into it. But that's all the first version of Rubble. Rubble in the first version says that there's a biblical, on a biblical level, we definitely take it into account whether he's forced uh, and held back from going to Israel. And the rabbinic level will say that, that if he doesn't show up to Israel, so then it's viewed as a divorce. Because we don't know what he's, if we're in Israel, we don't, we don't know what he's, uh, what's going on uh, and why he is delayed. Uh, that's the first version. In the second version, Rava doesn't say that. In the second version, In the second version, Rava comes along and he says that there's only the, the biblical level. That there is no rabbinic level. On a biblical level, uh, it really depends on whether or not he was able, he wanted to go to Israel. If he didn't want to go to Israel, it's a good divorce. If he wanted to go to Israel, but he wasn't able to because he was sick, so it's not a good divorce. And that's it. What the Gemara does for the rest of the time, which we'll do uh, a lot faster, is basically the same back and forth that we had in the last recording. The very same back, back and forth. Uh, originally, the Gemara in the first version wanted to bring a proof to what Rebbe was saying. And now, because it's the exact opposite uh, version, the second version is the exact opposite opinion. Uh, so now they're asking questions of this opinion from different sources, and they're going to give the same answers. Um, basically, the same, the same back and forth. So it's the same back and forth, so we're going to do this very quickly. Um, but the Gemara essentially says, how can you see this? Hashma. Sorry, Mesave, they ask you a question. How is it from a busting with combat? Soon as I hold it, Mesave, so soon as I hold it, in a in a get, Mesave, in a get, Hakala, how is it? Basically, they have a source that seems to say that if he's sick, so then it is a good divorce. That seems to be against version number two. So the answer is not the only one of Hakala, not the in a get. If he goes to come out from one day and get a lot from Misa, no, you can't make the same inference that you want to make. You can't make. Anyways, they say that uh, you can't you can make that inference uh, based on the same exact uh, Gemara that we had uh, uh, earlier on, on the last recording. Kashma, maybe we could ask another question. The afternoon we're welcome to have a similar Zakhodesh. Who may still sing a Zakhodesh? Hey, Zagat. My love was in Machallah. We have a case where um, she doesn't show up within 12 months. Uh, and it says that if he dies, so then it is a good divorce. Meaning, we don't care about the fact that he died. Uh, even if he died, uh, obviously it was against the, uh, not in his control. So also, maybe if he's sick also, when he's not in control, it's also a good divorce. That seems to be going against version number two. In version number one, the one that uses as a proof, and version number two is asking the question. The Gemara says, no, well, maybe if he dies, it's different. For reasons that we already had, in the first version. And then finally, the last question on this second version is Tashmami Aruda, we have another case where the husband's running, running, running to, to the city. It's the end of the 12 months and he gets stopped uh, by the bridge. The bridge uh, is not allowed to be not able to pass over the bridge. So we see, and Shmuel says, Oh, we see that he wasn't able to pass, go to the next side, to the side of the bridge, to the city. It is a good divorce. That seems to be going against, against version number two here of Rava, who would say it depends on what your intentions were. The one says, no, also this still shine if you can't be brother, listen to me, listen to me, you who doubt the No, that's not under duress. That was negligent, because he should have realized that the bridge is not always uh, open. So it's negligent on his part. At the end of the day, we have these two versions, version number one and version number two of Rava about whether or not uh, we maintain the biblical standard 
uh, to say that you, it depends on whether or not uh, he's forced into it or not. Does it, uh, did he want to go to Israel? If he wanted to go to Israel on a biblical level, so then, um, if it was on a biblical level, so then he wouldn't be they wouldn't be divorced. Uh, or the, on the point of version number one, they have this added on a rabbinic level, they have the ability to uproot the marriage. They have this ability to say that no, uh, it doesn't make a difference. It all depends upon whether he actually got there or not. Practically, did he get there or not? And that's what we care about. And so we have these two different versions, and then in the next uh, recording, we will uh, begin a new topic based on the Mishnah. So we had all these side changes. We're going back to the Mishnah in the next recording.